Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Welcome to the little show that could. Bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. This is Tell Me Everything. Hope you had a great week. Chris Hauselt is our executive producer running this thing out of South Carolina. The great Thea Harper is producing our show from Brooklyn. I come to you from Manhattan. We got a really good end of the week wrap up with some of our favorite people tonight. Uh, Max Burns will be here to dissect the week in politics, particularly CNN. And I don't know if you've been following this, but, uh, you know, the, the Joe Biden family investigation that completely fell apart on camera this week. It was kind of beautiful and it kind of got ignored by Donald Trump, you know, beating, killing, and mounting the corpse of CNN. Uh, Gina Krause-Vilmar is back to talk about immigration at the end of Title 42. And there's so much we have to get through. And guys, I, I wanted to talk about how the COVID public health emergency declaration has officially ended, meaning any further precautions or treatments or testing, that's on you. That's on your health insurance if you have health insurance. Also, House leadership is going to meet with Biden next week. They're going to demand four main concessions to allow the debt limit to be extended, as they did 18 times for Reagan, seven times for Bush and three times for Trump. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. They're going to demand that there's they cap federal spending for 10 years. That won't happen. Reclaimed covid relief funds. They'll get a little bit total abandonment of student loan debt relief. That's the one we're going to wait and see if Biden fights for or not. And then a guaranteed passage of a House Republican bill to boost fossil fuels in America. That's not going to happen. Oh, also, Elon Musk announced he's officially going to uh, be leaving Twitter uh, as CEO. <laughs> you know how Vladimir Putin at one point resigned from being president and Dmitry Medvedev got to be president for four years. And then Medvedev left and Putin just came back in and has run the country for 15 years since. It's like that. Um, former NBC Universal and World Economic Forum executive Linda Yaccarino is the new CEO of Twitter. And I don't know if you all have noticed, but the right wing trolls aren't happy about it. The love affair with Elon and the alt right is done. Also, a federal judge in Virginia ruled that the new law that's banning federal firearms dealers from selling handguns to people under 21 violates the Second Amendment and is unconstitutional. So there's so much to get track of and so much we have to process and make sense of and mock from this week. But guys, I'm sorry. It's fake Christian Friday. 
Let's begin with all the phonies, all the Pharisees, all the revoltingly false Christians that are destroying a once great democracy and what could have been a once great religion. Christian crowdforming platform Give, Send, Go. They're number one. You know them. They, they're they a, a source that raises money for Christians who do Christian things, who are in trouble and need your help so they can continue their ministry of doing deeply Christ-like acts. You know, they're the ones who raise money for Kyle Rittenhouse. Well, they (laughs) are so opposed to everything that's in the Bible they pretend to follow. They're raising money now to support Daniel Penny, the 24-year-old who uh, faces second-degree manslaughter for choking a homeless man to death on the New York City subway. Quick reminder, uh, Jordan Neely uh, was ranting and having a fit. Uh, He never threatened Daniel Penny, never laid a hand on him, never assaulted him. Daniel Penny sneaked up behind him, behind a man who was not a threat, There was not a moment where self-defense ever entered into this crime, and he put him in a chokehold for 15 minutes, crushed his windpipe, and murdered him. So the Christians are raising money for his legal defense. Uh, Riser and Kenneth, the law firm representing him, began the campaign to fund expenses related to his legal defense and uh, excess contributions allegedly going toward a mental health advocacy program. The fund describes him as a decorated Marine veteran who was, their words, protecting individuals on a New York City subway train from an assailant who later died. How many lies can be in one sentence? Who, who, who exactly did Jordan Neely assail? Who, he, he was having a fit in the middle of the train, shouting like homeless men do on the train sometimes. Earlier Friday morning, uh, Mr. Penny surrendered to cops. A day after Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's office confirmed they are going to bring forth charges. If found guilty, he could have up to 15 years behind bars ahead of him, but no more because 15 years are all a homeless man's life is worth. Again, give, send, go. The Christian crowdfunding platform, because thou shalt not kill, probably had an asterisk at the end that we don't know about. I, I just, all these people, all these fake Christians, you know, all the ones who are pushing the guns. I think every member of Congress who calls themselves a Christian and votes for more access to AR-15s should have to personally go remove the bodies after every one of these Second Amendment heroes takes out another shopping mall in Texas. By the way, if you're a right-wing, revoltingly fake Christian, there's a new village for you. Russia is floating a plan to build a village for conservative Americans who want to move to a Christian country and are tired of liberal ideology in the U.S. Guys, think about it. I mean, it's Vladimir Putin. It's authoritarian. It's no democracy. It's everything you want. It's all white people, no immigrants, no black folks, no rap music. Bet the car next to you when you pull up at a red light. No pesky democracy, no students, no LGBT people, no abortion rights. My friends, don't let the door hit you. Go on out. But again, if we have to talk about the most revoltingly fake Christian in America on Fake Christian Friday, I got to say it's every Christian in politics and social media, in the mainstream media who are calling asylum seekers illegals. Let's take a moment to talk about the revoltingly fake Christians who call migrants, people seeking legal asylum, illegals. Now, Title 42, Donald Trump didn't invent it. It was passed in 1944. And as you know, it expired last night. The pandemic-related asylum restrictions that kept millions of migrants thrown out of our country millions of times. I mean, over two million times it was used to expel migrants and children. Well, they're gone now. 
Uh, we're, we're saying COVID's no longer a public health emergency. So that little Stephen Miller trick of using Title 42 to turn everyone away, Democrats can't use it, Republicans can't use it. And it's, of course, going to put a huge strain on our country's immigration system because people are racing to enter the U.S. before new restrictions set in. Now, there's a lot of things to say about this. Obviously, they're going to beat Joe Biden over the head over it. The right wing is not going to have any solutions. They're just going to use images of brown people crossing our border. And border crossings have already gone above 10,000 a day. Border patrol shelters in some areas are already beyond capacity. Tens of thousands of migrants and asylum seekers are still waiting in northern Mexico ready to cross. So we know what the images are. We know how they're going to spin it. I'm reminding you, any politicians or media figures talking about illegals, 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 they're not just liars. They're revoltingly fake Christians. And we devote this edition of Fake Christian Friday to them. Here's a few things to remember when someone calls an asylum seeker an illegal. Are you ready? Donald Trump is an illegal. He just got $5 million this week for sexual abuse. He got $1.4 million last month for tax abuse, for tax fraud. Again, he had to pay, uh, uh, it was $2 million for charity fraud, $26 million for education fraud. Uh, and of course, he just got indicted last month. I don't really need to say this, but there's more to come. Donald Trump is an illegal. Ask yourself, how many times have right-wing people ever used the word illegal to refer to? to white lawbreakers. Take a moment. Think about it. When have you ever heard a Caucasian lawbreaker call that term? Now, also, the majority of undocumented immigrants in our country are people who overstay their visas, not illegal border crossings. Undocumented immigrants, who we're not talking about here, we're talking about asylum seekers, but undocumented immigrants and legal immigrants both commit crimes at lower rates than U.S.-born citizens. You know why? Fear of deportation. So I think it's kind of a natural. Why don't we just have a game show where American lawbreakers can be deported as well? Let's even it up. Let's make anyone who goes 56 in a 55 zone an illegal. We can play wheel of deportation and you're being sent to live in a country where you don't speak the language, you don't have the right religion, and they're going to call you an illegal too. I can dream. Also, keep this in mind. Um, illegal immigrants, they pay taxes. Billions of them every year. Undocumented people pay state taxes, local taxes, and of course, they pay sales taxes. President Reagan is the only president who supported amnesty. That's the word he used. He said he supported amnesty for people who worked here for years and put down roots. He also supported an open border. That was his term, too. He said it would allow people to return home when they're done working here. No Democrats have called for open borders. But the Republican they all pray to before they go to sleep? Yeah, he did it. Now, also, here's the thing. I shouldn't have to say this, but anyone who calls themselves a Christian and calls their fellow human beings illegals needs to know it's a racist, dehumanizing, otherizing term. Illegals. It's dehumanizing. It's a slur. It's used only to describe one kind of human, the non-white Christian refugees at our southern border. You will never hear anyone called illegal unless they're a non-white Christian refugee at our southern border. No one's born racist. No one's born racist, but this is what they've done. They sucker white people. They sucker non-white people into being bigots, into being xenophobes. And when they do it, they, they sucker them into defending huge tax cuts for the powerful men who outsourced your jobs to China or to Mexico. They brainwash, they groom you to be slavish serfs devoted to the people at the top and to hate the people at the bottom who have no power. And again, watch Fox. 
check and see how many other types of lawbreakers they ever call illegals. Folks, I say this all the time. I'm going to keep on saying it. If politicians of either party really wanted undocumented immigration to end, they'd start locking up the Americans who do all the hiring. There's a big help wanted sign at our border. It's bigger than any wall. And politicians of both parties aren't trying to take it down. Politicians will never try to punish American companies who give jobs to undocumented workers because fear of illegals generates Republican voter turnout. Fear of illegals generates campaign donations. Fear of illegals generates support from people your party doesn't serve. Hardworking white people in the middle class year after year after year. This is our country's history. From slavery to Chinese railroad workers, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, our overseas sweatshops, exploited labor, usually by marginalized peoples, has always propped up the U.S. economy. And undocumented people are the easiest to underpay. They're the easiest to exploit. And can we also remember Donald Trump hires illegals, if that's the word you like. Donald Trump hires undocumented people because he doesn't want to pay a living wage to American workers. Going back to the 80s, Trump Tower was built by undocumented immigrants. He's hired them in this two different centuries. He's been doing it to save a buck. You MAGAs are being suckered by rich hypocrites. And the fact that you enjoy it doesn't make a difference. And again, no politician has ever called for any legislation or policies that could ever lead to open borders. Anyone who is saying Joe Biden has an open borders policy is lying, or as the Bible calls it, bearing false witness. And speaking of bearing false witness, let's talk about lies on Fake Christian Friday. They were never going to build a wall across 2,000 miles of our border. That was never going to happen. They lied to you. Did did you really believe, my MAGA loved ones, that they were going to build a wall across thousands of miles of desert and rivers and forests? Build a wall across private and commercial property? Build a wall that would force border Americans to give up their land under eminent domain law? No, they lied to you. And Mexico was never going to pay. And it was never going to be completed. It was always a scam. And again, the wall would not have stopped undocumented immigration. It would not have stopped migrants or asylum seekers. It would not have stopped anything because ladders and shovels are things that exist. And again, racists, I got to remind you, (laughs) the majority of undocumented immigrants are not people who cross the border illegally. They're people who overstay their visas. Now, let's get back to fake Christian Friday. Uh, People who support Donald Trump's family separation policy from 2017, which was conceived by Stephen Miller, announced by Donald Trump's Department of Justice, stealing migrant children as a deterrent so other families won't cross the border. Legally, all y'all who supported that, you're still allowed to call yourselves Christian, but you're not. Y'all didn't care about crumbling roads and infrastructure and bridges and public schools. Y'all didn't care about the underfunded VA. Y'all looted our military for a scam. And keep this in mind, the majority of voters in 2016 rejected Donald Trump's immigration agenda. The majority of voters in 2020 rejected Donald Trump's immigration agenda again. (laughs) And keep this in mind about their damn wall. Trump didn't pay federal taxes for years. He committed tax fraud to avoid paying the taxes that you paid. And then he sought to misuse the taxes you paid. I'm under no illusions this will change. Fear of illegals is designed to get alarmed Fox News viewers to vote for an agenda centered on tax cuts for rich people who don't need more tax cuts. That's all it is. But again, 
Fake Christian Friday is dedicated to everyone who calls the migrants at our border fleeing Central American violence illegals. But they are not illegals. They are Christian refugees. And I wish some Democrats would start using that language. (laughs) Yes, I'm trying to humanize them. Can you stand it? Because Donald Trump fans don't care for Jesus' actual thoughts on how to treat marginalized strangers among us. But if you're going to follow the Bible, you should know that there's only one law, one rule about borders or immigration in the entire Bible. And it's in the Old Testament and it's in the New Testament. And it's something Jesus said. And you know what it is? Welcome the stranger. That's it. That's the only commandment about immigration in the entire book. It's in Leviticus, the big homophobic chapter. Jesus says it in Matthew 25. They'll say, well, Trump's a good president. He was protecting our borders. There are no laws in the Bible about immigration or borders. The notion that there's a God who really gives a shit about the invisible lines in the ground we've created to separate our tribes goes against everything Jesus talked about. But again, (laughs) if you godless knobs had ever read the Bible, you couldn't have supported Trump in the first place. So please remind the Trump Christians in your life that the desperate humans at the border they call illegals are really Christian refugees. And when you do that to someone, you know, who's set on calling them illegals, if you choose to humanize an undocumented person or an asylum seeker or a migrant, if you choose to humanize them to a Trump supporter, you will get a sense of how much hate your Trump Christian truly has. Again, let me just say any people who support what Donald Trump says and does to the Christian refugees at our border. Well, that's fine. But one day, my good Judeo-Christian friends, you'll stand before St. Peter. And on that day, you're going to learn what extreme vetting really fucking means. We want to know what you guys think. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT-TERESA in Washington State. Hello. Yeah, so immigration is what forced the Indians off their land and stole their land from them. And I really think that immigration will be the downfall of the United States. But I can't understand Wait, why... Wait, what do you mean? Well, immigration, what, the immigration of white people? No, I wouldn't even allow uh, Prince Harry to immigrate here, except for he married Meghan Markle. And I think <laughs> the immigration should only be allowed for married people who want to bring a spouse, a foreign spouse in. Okay. But anyway, let me finish. Let me finish. Go I ahead. don't understand why it's not automated. Like, um, you could put up a website, and then uh, refugees, asylum seekers, all these other people that just want to come here uh, because they're looking for a better life, they can apply before they get here and <clears throat> save themselves money and save us a lot of money because we wouldn't have to. Have them come here, give them food, give them shelter, give them all this stuff, and then round them up to deport them after we find out they're not somebody we so want So why do you here. think why do you think they're doing it? Why do you think they're so desperate? They'll come to the border, risk their lives in many cases, hiring coyotes to take them across a desert. Why do you think they're that desperate to try to have a chance to get in this country I and read, be, have their case heard? I read the. Sh- I read the shock doctrine, so I'm kind of aware about what's been going on in South America yeah. for the last 100 years. Yeah, uh, they breed too much. They're Christian, and they breed too much. That's why a, a population is the root of all evil. And we all hmm. have to have our little mini-me's 
And, you know... Well, America's running short on mini-me's. America's running short on mini-me's. That's the thing. We're going to need more people in this country. But because there's been 40 years of... Automation. Automation is taking all the jobs. I was a cotton picker. I was a cotton picker and a tobacco picker. And I looked them up because when Natalie or what's her name said, we're not allowed to say cotton pickers anymore. (laughs) I was like, I was like... Well, geez, aren't there cotton pickers anymore? No, that, so that, that, that was all the, the co- cotton picking. Cotton picking is a problematic phrase from the history. That's all that was about. But but you understand they that though, they're going to keep they're going to keep cotton. coming here for one reason. They're dangling the jobs. They wouldn't come here if jobs weren't here. That's the reality. That should go to prisoners, American prisoners that need reform. That's slavery. Those jobs, and they are being taken by foreigners. Right, um, but you understand that prisoners who are incarcerated aren't really able to go do yard work or be a nanny for your children. They should. I would you. I think I like this idea. I think you know what we have some hardened criminals that I think would probably be reformed in some ways by being allowed to come out and be a nanny for eight hours a day. I'm 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 growing to this idea. Jared from Subway for starters. Let let Jared Uh out. Jared could come out and be a nanny. Can I just can I just say can I just say you totally turned me around on this, Tracy. Nannies in that killed their kids. Can I, I, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to get into any of this, John, but I just want to say, Teresa, that I commend you because you have in such a brief time thrown out at least three really intense uh, uh, ideas that I almost can't even engage with. Uh, but, I'm a but and I think for myself. No, I'm, it's growing on me a lot. I think letting and, letting criminals out to do to do you know landscaping work it's it's appealing to me more and more. You know, uh, a, a, a yeah, there's breed. a lot of pot smokers that could really do a great job. Wow, yeah, if you come to think of it, that's about the only thing that makes me really focus and care about my yard work. I'm learning a lot today, Teresa. I thank you very but much I just, for the call. It's been. I just don't ahead. understand. Well, I just don't understand. If you think that the, the breeding is the ultimate evil and overpopulation, why do you only want immigration for people to bring spouses into the country? I was almost. I was almost out of it, Chris. I was almost because out of it. I'm. I'm a romantic soft touch. But so maybe maybe yeah. vas- vasectomy stories. I'm like, I've heard them all. I've been there. Mm-hmm. So it, it, yeah. it's the romance. Okay. That ha- ha- pull the ladder you. up behind I, you. I I've got to go back to the other side of the looking glass now. Thank you so much for the call, Teresa. Have a great, great weekend. Let me go really quick. To, let's let's cleanse the palate with uh, Mary Michael calling from Michigan. Hello and welcome. Oh. Yes. Thank you. How are thank you? you? Very good. Good evening. Good evening. I enjoy your show. It's my first time listening, and from the moment I turned you on this evening, I've just been so intrigued at what you had to share with the audience, and some of it I didn't know. And like you said, being hornswoggled, this is what it was all about. Hmm. So now that I'm hearing what it's really about, I'm like, wow, politics is what it is, just playing ping pong and not telling the truth, and therefore it's shaded. Okay. To one side mm-hmm. versus universal. So I'm for self determination. I'm a social worker, so. Right on. Thank you for your I'm service. For everybody. Right on. Thank you. Well, I appreciate your very kind words, and I'm glad you listened, and I, I, I really appreciate your feedback. I hope you'll call us more often. Yes, I will. Okay. I look forward I, to it. All righty. 
God bless Thank you. Thank you. Well, there we go. Hey, hey, she gave you a shout out at the end. I, I, I love that call, no, too. I just it sounded like she was saying Merry Christmas. No, it sounded like she was saying, hey, Chris. Maybe she was going to advocate her position to let people out of jail to do the work that or, Mike or wish me a happy birthday or something. Yeah. That's right. Happy birthday, Chris. We got to take a break. Max Burns is waiting in the wings. When we come back, more of your calls at 866 <laughs> You took it more seriously than I did. Let the record show, Your Honor. Chris got more worked up than that. I just kind I mean, of... <laughs> I, like I said, I can't get, I couldn't get worked up about it because there was just so much there. Like when you, It's like getting off the subway and you're in the middle of New York City and you don't know what to do first. Yeah, that's how I was. I was like, wait a second. I can clean up this room. I'm, I'm going down the hall to another room. But you tried to clean it up, and I respect you for it. Quick break. We'll be right back with your calls and the great Mex Burns, 866-997-4748. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. So we don't let any more immigrants in unless they're married, right, Chris? I'm trying to, I wrote all this down, but I can't read my own writing. They got to be married to come into the country, but no kids. Right. But they got to be married. And uh, we don't want them taking jobs, even though they're being paid for backbreaking well, work at below minimum wage. So we have they to won't let have people... A, yeah, Go ahead. They, won't, they, they won't have t- a chance to get a job because uh, our prisoners will be doing that for all us. All work release. We're going to let all of our violent felons out of jail. Slavery and essentially have slavery in, is indentured, slave, indentured servitude. Yeah, I, I like all this. 13th Amendment. I saw the movie. Okay. I mean, she says contrarian, but I think she might mean modern Republican. <laughs> Max Sorry, Burns. Max Burns is with us. He's a Public Relations Society of America award-winning Democratic strategist and a terrific political columnist. His advocacy work has guided some of the most successful American companies and campaigns in achieving their messaging goals. And he's just a riot. You've read him or seen him everywhere from Daily Beast to News Nation to NBC News. Mr. Burns, what a great way to end the week with you. Thank you for joining us, sir. 
Thank, thanks so much for having me. I see by your callers, the Republicans have finally become prison abolitionists. So that's great. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> abolish all prisons um, and 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 uh, abolish all salary for a day's wage, too. Um, listen, there's so much to talk about in, in the midst of all this madness. But uh, I, I have to begin with your thoughts on um, Donald Trump uh, beating and then killing and then mounting the corpse of CNN this week because the story just won't stop going away. And in my opinion, Chris Licht can't stop making it worse. It's true. There have been some gross moments over the last few years uh, with Donald Trump and the media and the codependence they have. But I genuinely think that what what happened at CNN was one of the most ill-advised, most disturbing pieces of cable news essentially making its decision to be entertainment instead of news and public service. And there's really there's no justification for it. We saw Oliver Darcy came out very strong uh, and critical of CNN, as did, to her credit, Audie Cornish. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's interesting that of the of the entire network, the two people who have spoken out about this are people of color because the you know, your Jake Tappers and your Chris Licks are are not seeing clearly, I think, just how damaging this was to democracy. Mm, Very good point. Or you can be someone like Anderson Cooper, who does see how bad it is for democracy and then takes it upon himself to defend it anyway. I'm glad you mentioned Oliver Darcy, because um, I stayed up late on Wednesday night and read his piece. I, you know, I, I... I did the show many times when, when, when Brian Stelter was there since Brian left and they bumped up Oliver Darcy. I have to say that he has done such excellent and the opposite of emotional journalism. I mean, CNN is so lucky to have a media reporter like this. And I thought, here is the one area where Chris Licht can hold his head high after this debacle that CNN's own media critic could write a scathing column about what CNN had just done. All Lick had to do is point to that and say, see, we, we, we accept all kinds of diverse opinions. We accept dissenting views in our ranks. But he couldn't even do that, could he, Max? He couldn't even brag about the fact that they allow critical thinking within their employee base. It, it's really telling that what happened here was essentially Chris Licht and the heads of the network calling Oliver Darcy in and saying, you're getting too emotional about this. Very similar to what Anderson Cooper said on the air to his audience, sort of condescendingly saying, listen, you can choose to not want to watch this, but only dumb people don't want to watch this. So why would you want to turn your back on Donald Trump as if that's, that's been possible at any point since since mid 2015? Uh, but it does show you that, that Chris Licht is very seriously thinking about this as as something that he's concerned enough to call in internal senior staff and say, maybe go a little bit lighter on the paper or on the paper on the network. But this is speaking of paper. What happens when you lose an ombudsman and a public editor when you don't have anyone whose job it is to point out when the outlet makes mistakes? The outlet will make mistakes. Yeah. I mean, Darcy didn't tell any lies. He he just told the facts about what happened. Trump lied about the election, took no responsibility for the insurrection, mocked Eugene Carroll's allegations of sexual assault, and CNN aired it all. On and on it went. It felt like 2016 all over again. It was Trump's unhinged social media feed brought to life on stage. Like, I mean, when I read that Chris Licht had hauled that writer into his office and it put the fear of God in him, Max, back me up on this. That's an internal leak at CNN saying they put the fear of God into Oliver Darcy, right? Whoever leaked 
the story about that is is the one who put out that ridiculous phrase? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Oliver Darcy is not the kind of guy who gets scared at something like this. He's a fearless reporter. It's one of the reasons he's been so good at the work that he does. But, you, you know, to your point, it's not just they were wrong to put Trump on. It was how they structured this event to pack the room with Republicans in such a way that now when people watch that clip, CNN is viewed as the network where it's OK to laugh at sexual abuse. That's it. And and that not only are they unapologetic about that, but they're actively punching back against their own staff who have said that that was concerning when yeah. you know, in lieu of just explaining the decision, because the decision is not really justifiable. Well, then let me ask you the real question, because, you know, ratings wise, if this was the plot of Malone and uh, John Malone and uh, and Chris Lick the entire time, you know, let's get rid of liberal voices. Let's fire Don Lemon. Let's uh, let's 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 amplify conservative voices more. Let's bring Donald Trump back, even though he told all these lies, even though he's suing our network right now. Let's bring him back. If the whole goal was to do this, just to rebrand the channel and get great ratings can you can you say it succeeded? I mean, they got 3.3 million viewers for the town hall. It was below a million in the demo. And the very next night, back down to barely half a million viewers. Caitlin Collins' debut in the 9 p.m. hour got an audience of just about 546,000. So there was no carryover from the previous night whatsoever. And if you watch CNN after the town hall ended, Max, by 11 p.m., CNN was in third place again in the ratings. There was a brief rating spike. It didn't carry over to anything. Well, that's the kind of short-term thinking that's leading to these problems, is that we're, we're seeing clearly CNN is thinking about what's going to be appealing to ratings, to shareholders, not how do we tell an honest story about a critical moment in American history. And when you look at, at these ratings bumps, this was transparently an effort to try and chip away some Fox viewers and That's you're seeing it. that not just at CNN, at MSNBC, too, that they smell blood in the water at Fox and they're going to do everything they can to carve out a piece of that empire. And the end result of that is that these networks start to look and behave a lot more like Fox than I think a lot of liberal viewers uh, thought they would. Do you think CNN as an organization failed Eugene Carroll with that broadcast? I do. I do. I, I talked about this a little bit. I think a lot about this from the, from the concept of CNN as a journalistic outlet. What responsibility does it owe to Gene Carroll, someone who a day before this town hall uh, was found to have been sexually abused by Donald Trump, uh, to then give that man a national and international platform to defame her again, to harass her, to call her a whore, to say that her husband should leave her? Uh, for the better part of 15 minutes. And I, I've always felt that the core of journalism is summed up in the motto that journalism is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And by any measure of that, CNN did not do that. Instead, they exposed E. Jean Carroll and other victims of sexual abuse to essentially re-victimization live on television. Right. L let me ask you the million dollar question, Max. You know, whenever they talk about the Iraq war, the media left and right always use the same phrase, the, the, the worst strategic blunder in history, the worst blunder in history. 
And I always take issue with that because I don't see where the blunder was. Dick Cheney carved that country's oil up before we ever sent a single soldier over there. Dick Cheney's company that had paid him $33 million of their money got almost $40 billion of our taxpayer money. The whole scheme worked exactly how it was planned. There was just, you know, up to a million people, including 5,000 soldiers that got killed during it. But, but it wasn't a blunder. There's a lot of folks, including our friend Matt Gertz at Media Matters, who are saying that what happened at CNN on Wednesday night was also not a blunder. John Malone, who's the chair of Liberty Media, who are, is the big investor, who is now the boss of Chris Licht, he calls himself a libertarian. He paid a quarter of a million dollars into Donald Trump's inauguration fund, tens of thousands of dollars to Trump's 2020 campaign. He even gave money to Trump's Save America PAC which funded the January 6th rally. And this is the man in charge of the people in charge of CNN. And he said two years ago in an interview that he wanted CNN to start emulating Fox News. I'm not saying this is a smart point of view. I'm saying this is what the rich guys who run CNN want. So can the argument be made that for all of the disasters aesthetically, Disaster of broadcasting, disaster of morality, uh, disaster for democracy. Can we really say it was a failure if it was exactly what the people who are running this channel want it to be? No, and I think Chris Licht, from his perspective, thinks this was a great success. And it it's one of these things where I personally think the, the idea of some collusion between Trump's team and Licht is a little bit far-fetched. I think it looks better from a distance than up close. But at the end of the day, you've built the same bridge, which is Donald Trump is a circus and Chris Licht runs a network that was in search of a big show. So he was willing to knowingly make the moral compromises. He knew what Donald Trump would do with this time. And and he understood how to market it to, to make sure that he got the clips that he wanted. I think whatever he may tell himself about, well, we exposed Trump for X, Y, and Z last night. That's nothing that he hasn't said a thousand times before. The people did not learn a single new relevant thing here, but they did get a chance to essentially host a Trump rally that three million people saw. That's it. That is it. And you know what? This Trump rally ate up so much oxygen in our nation this week that it, it made the ruling on uh, the Eugene Carroll case feel like a distant memory. And it really overshadowed, Max, all the hard, diligent work the Republicans in Congress have done over the Joe Biden bribery investigation. Um, I, I will tell you, I'm such a conspiracy theorist that by the end of the week, I think that they were using Trump's antics to distract from their whole little smear campaign, totally falling apart again. What's What's been going on for those who aren't following the all important investigation into the millions of dollars Joe Biden got from China back when he had to mortgage his house to pay for his kids cancer treatment. Well, you're going to need the sad trombone sound on your soundboard for when a Republican investigation collapses because it's happening really frequently. Uh, This most recent one was the idea put forward by Chuck Grassley that uh, Joe Biden was involved in an international bribery scheme with China from his time as vice president under Obama. This is the guy, remember, they say is too stupid to tie his own shoes, but he's also an international crime lord. Oh, yeah. Who's evaded detection for decades. Well, and you also uh, know that vice presidents set all the policy for an administration, which is why they're such magnets for bribes. Hugely so, hugely. And this would be a devastating revelation if any of it was actually true. And what has (laughs) come out this week 
uh, has come out this week is not only do the Republicans who claim to have this document showing a complaint against Biden not have the document, they've not even seen the document. What they've done is read a summary of what somebody says they saw that can't also show that document to anybody else. So as far as anybody's been able to turn up, it doesn't exist. And even Chuck Grassley the other day said, actually, this may not be completely true, but we're going to look into it. So that's for Republicans. That's a pretty visible backpedal. Man, they've got nothing. I mean, this is again, let's not forget Donald Trump was impeached the first time because he tried to blackmail the president of Ukraine into lying about a fake Joe Biden scandal. They're still pushing this. Like, isn't the senility thing working, Max? Isn't the whole Biden's too old? That that angle's not working. They've got to keep going back to this well of his kid. Well, they'll do just about anything to avoid actual governing. And the problem is they're running through these conspiracies way quicker than planned. It's only been six months. You know, they, they have another year to try and cover the fact that the House isn't getting anything done. But yeah. James Comer actually today had one of my favorite double double uh, conditionals on a sentence. He said that he believed there may be information at the FBI that should be criminal if it's true. <laughs> so so it might be criminal if it exists. But the, the FBI, of course, giving every indication it does not exist, because when would a story like that ever not have leaked by now? And if Republicans had it, it would be everywhere. I mean, Andy Biggs tweeted out uh, the Biden family network used their associate Rob Walker to bring in millions of dollars from China and Romania. The evidence is clear. The Bidens are corrupt. And he spelled Biden's B-I-D-E-N apostrophe S. The evidence is clear. Congressman Biggs doesn't know how apostrophes work. It's just they're just going to talk about it and Fox News will cover it. And when it's revealed that nothing ever nothing wrong ever happened, Fox News won't cover that part. That's the play, right? Just just no. talk about the scandal until people believe it's a scandal. And then suddenly Hillary Clinton killed Vince Foster. Yeah. I mean, Republicans essentially have three songs on this EP. I mean, one is Hunter Biden's laptop of mysteries. One is Joe Biden, the international crime lord. And the other is that COVID is a conspiracy. And they've moved on to that one again uh, with Marjorie Taylor Greene at this uh, the hearing yesterday accusing the CDC of creating COVID vaccines that don't work and then changing the definition of vaccine to make that legal. Uh, long story short, it's your typical Marjorie Green madness. But this is what they have now. So really falling onto the old hits at this point. Yeah, for real. Um, really quick while we have the time. America's sweetheart, George Santos. <laughs> That story the most, keeps on going. The most popular man in the Democratic Party. Most, yeah, and again, someone whose job in Congress seems pretty safe no matter what he did. It, it is remarkable that just a couple of weeks ago, Kevin McCarthy said, I, I won't support George Santos for re-election. I don't think he should run again. I think that he should focus on his legal concerns. And yet, he says yesterday, I still support keeping him in Congress. And we're going to keep him on his on his committees. He's going to keep doing work. And I guess when you have an entire debt ceiling hostage situation hanging by George Santos's one vote, that's it. You can essentially commit crimes and the party will look the other way. Mm, that's that's right. So his his job is safer than a band leader who laughs at Jay Leno's jokes, right? I mean, <laughs> that's it. They can't do anything. I mean, they, they they're not going to try to fire him. 
They know that seat's going to probably go to a Democrat in 2024 anyway. They're just going to keep him yeah. there. And I say, great, let them own him. Yeah, and it's it's certainly the case that he does not seem to understand the gravity of what's happened. His press conference outside the courthouse, uh, he said this was going to make a really exciting part of his book, uh, seemed to be joking around and and behaving like Donald Trump. And what all of these these MAGA acolytes who have ended up going to prison have in common is that they've all thought that they could behave with the impunity of Donald Trump, yeah. ignoring the fact that you need a lot of money and to be the president of the United States in some cases to to essentially snow the legal system as he has. George Santos is facing 20 years in prison for things that he signed off on in documents. I mean, fairly indisputable <laughs> evidence. He's awfully cavalier about the future. Yeah, seriously. And before I let you go, uh, it was announced today that Linda Yaccarino, NBC Universal's veteran ad sales leader, is in talks to become the new Twitter CEO uh, because this woman is not completely right wing and doesn't speak in German. Uh, it seems the MAGA faithful have cut Elon loose. I saw RIP Twitter trending all day. It's all the right wing guys furious that he's going to put a woman in charge of CEO, isn't it? Yep. Elon Musk's right wing board of directors saw that this was a woman who once talked to someone they think might be liberal. So she is now done. Uh, they're they're asking why he didn't put up a public poll as he promised to poll uh, major decisions. People like Cat Turd, who's for somehow his Elon Musk's boss, I guess, as yes. calling on people to boycott Twitter. I mean, this these are the people Elon Musk destroyed this platform to please. And he has made one misstep and they are done with it. That's it. Right. But I mean, is she we, we don't know where she stands politically. There's pictures of her apparently in a pussy hat from six years ago. But at the same time, I've seen all the right wing accounts she follows. It, it, it seems like this is the guy. I mean, what wasn't it just last month? They kept saying, hey, it's Elon's company. He can do whatever he wants. And now suddenly that's not the case. Yeah, that works until you do something that, that people don't like. But I think we'll learn very quickly where she stands. She seems to be a study in contrasts, to, to put it lightly. I mean, she does follow some right wing accounts, but she follows a lot of left wing accounts. And I know from my own Twitter, you know, not everything I follow, I agree with. Same, but it will same. be interesting. She certainly, as anyone in that industry at that level is, uh, has no problem playing both sides. So it'll be very interesting to <laughs> <You're> see <right. laughs> how they accept her. About the only person the they would accept is a, a human swastika at this point. <laughs> I was looking at the list of all the right wing accounts she followed, but I was like, oh, wait, I follow that one. I follow that one, too. Max, what is the best way for our listeners to follow you, sir, and keep up with all your many doings? You can check me out on Twitter at the Max Burns or on Substack at maxburns.substack.com. Thank you so much, sir. Have a great evening and a great weekend. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John saying We are going to get to everybody's calls tonight. Let me go with uh, Mark in Wisconsin. Hi, Mark. Thanks for your patience on hold. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, brother. It's just shocking that Teresa was going off on so many... Oh, it's just hard to believe the mismatch that she was saying. I mean, it's well, she's like, a contrarian. She's a contrarian. <laughs> it's the mismatch we get from the Republicans. I mean, the only people that are saying the borders are open are Republicans probably taking out know, newspaper ads down south of the border saying, oh, the borders are open, the borders are open, because I haven't heard any announcement from the Biden administration that the borders are open. No, they're not. It, it's just it, a it way just, of smearing. Yeah, it's it, a lie it, they've decided is acceptable. It's just jaw-dropping that they feel so comfortable lying about everything. I mean, Ron Johnson was out today talking about Joe Biden's son and how corrupt this was and all this. And yet there's no evidence, like was pointed out earlier in the show, no evidence that Hunter Biden has actually broken any laws, actually. Correct. Except he made some made some money. I mean, that how much money did Iv- Ivanka Trump... Uh, but even Steve Ducey, even Steve yeah, Ducey I mean, pointed out on Fox News yesterday, there's no evidence of any kind indicating that Joe Biden broke any laws in any way. There is none. But it doesn't matter. It's Benghazi all over again. They'll exploit whatever because people who hate will want to believe it. And Benghazi, for, for the love of God, how the, the Christopher Ray, I think that was yeah. is that the name of the ambassador that was killed. Yes. With this. He was the one that made the decision to go to Benghazi. He was advised not to go there because... Oh, listen, we don't even need to go there. We don't even need to go there. So there have been so many lies, so much. The point it, about it Benghazi does. is not that they cared about who killed those men. They never cared about the terrorists who killed those four men. They never cared about those four men. Ask any right-winger who talks about Benghazi to name the four men. They can't do it because those men were and, props. They exploited the murders of those four men to attack politicians they already hated. It was one of the dirtiest things I've ever seen in politics. And then the withdrawal from Afghanistan... I mean, that was baked into the cake because Donald Trump signed a... I, I tell these exactly. people, read the agreement that Donald Trump signed with Taliban. That, they don't that, care. That, that, they, blame know, Obama, it, it, they blame it, Obama for the pullout from Iraq, even though Bush set the withdrawal date. They don't care. It, it just... Uh, it just um, truth is supposed to mean something. And I mean, that it does. apparently it doesn't. No, it does. It does mean something. And history will record who was telling the truth and who was lying. We just can't let them gaslight us into thinking we're the crazy ones. Thank you so much for the call, man. I appreciate it. Quick break. When we come back, all your calls and Title 42. This is Progress. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. 
Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. I'm John Fuglesang. This is SiriusXM Progress. I am so pleased to welcome back to our program Gina Kraus-Vilmar. She's president and CEO of Upwardly Global. They're a national organization trying to support immigrants and refugees with international credentials to just restart their work careers in the U.S. She's an expert on refugee and immigrant economic inclusion. Ms. Kraus-Vilmar brings more than 15 years of experience in the for-profit and non-profit sectors to her work at Upwardly Global. She's been interviewed on MSNBC, CNBC, and the New York Times, CNN. She's been published on CNN and in The Guardian as well. It's a great pleasure to welcome Gina Krause-Vilmar back to SiriusXM. Hello. Hi, John. So good to be back. It's so good to have you. Thank you. We were expecting an, uh, an unprecedented tsunami of migrants. It, it, it's been a lot. It hasn't been as huge as they predicted after the expiration of uh, Title 42. But um, there was a surge in illegal border crossings reported earlier this week. It, it does seem, however, that um, it's bad. It's going to be bad for a while. Where do you land on where we're looking at? And is it just going to be a case of political fallout for the next few weeks? I mean, are the resources in place to help these asylum seekers who, again, I have to keep saying this, are not illegal immigrants. They are legal migrants and asylum seekers. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there are about 150,000 people on the Mexican border right now. And there was concern that many of these individuals would be looking to come into the United States, both through the legal port of entry on the southern border um, and through other means. And the reality is, is that while the pandemic era Title 42 has expired as of this morning at midnight, um, it's not easy to be able to legally come into the United States through the southern border. So the yeah. Biden administration has really instituted a two-pronged approach, which is, one, increase legal pathways for individuals to be able to come into the United States by not coming to the southern border. So right. we've got humanitarian parole that it, that where Cubans, Hondurans, Nicaraguans, Venezuelans are now eligible. Um, we've got an increase in the number of refugees we plan on taking from Latin America from 20,000 to 40,000. Um, they are the US, the sorry, the White House is going to be opening um, regional centers in the in Latin America, in Colombia, in Ecuador, in order to facilitate processing there. Mm -hmm. And the message that's sending, which is pretty loud and clear, is do not come to the southern border. Yeah. The second prong of this approach is if you come to the southern border, you will not likely get in if you're trying to seek asylum. Um, and that means that there are things in place like denying people asylum simply because they traveled through another country and did not first seek asylum there. Exactly. And you should have done this in Mexico why, before you got here. 
And the reason why this is problematic is because in many of these countries, it's not easy to seek asylum. They have their own long processing time frame and they detain. So that means in effect, you're being put in jail if you're asking right. to seek asylum in some of these other countries. So that's the one thing is you will be denied at the southern border if you cannot demonstrate that. They're also requiring the use of the CBP-1 app. Yes. Um, the challenge with this is this is the only way to access asylum on the Correct. southern border. So it is really a system that is playing lottery with people's lives. You have to have a smartphone that is updated to include this app. You have to have internet access. You get in on you get on at 9 a.m. when they open um, the portal for people to uh, request um, their application be submitted and get an appointment. And by 9.05 a.m., all those 70 slots are taken. And so you play that same game the next day and the next day. And I just told you that there are 150,000 people who want to access asylum by coming in from the southern border. So and this is for people who are crossing the border, uh, who, who, who are expected to have smartphones and the ability to charge them. So every day they can use this app and be one of over 100,000 vying for 70 odd spots amidst widespread reports of the app not working. It seems that this is very deliberate. It seems that this is how the system is rigged and that despite what people hear, despite all the jobs being dangled by Americans, um, the government, be it Democratic or Republican, is just systemically choosing to make this process as hard as possible to discourage more asylum seekers. That's 100% right. The, the strategy here is you have legal pathways. They're not going to be easy. There's not going to be many slots open, but you can access them, but not at the southern border. Do not come to the southern border is the message that's being sent. And this is problematic for two main reasons. One is it is an international right to be able to seek safety in the United States. It does not matter what port of entry you come in through, how many countries you have to travel through to get here. Um, if you ask for that while you're in country or while you're trying to enter, none of that should matter. You have that right. And so that's one piece that's problematic. The second piece is our asylum system used to be incredibly robust. It has been so backlogged. Um, we have so many tens of thousands of individuals where on average, if you seek asylum, it will take you up to five years to be able to know what the result of that claim is. And so we've got a backlog system that is under capacity, which the infrastructure has not been set up in. And we're not having that conversation. We're not saying, let's not put the onus on individuals to sort of say, you really shouldn't come through and seek right. asylum. Let's put the onus on setting up a system that would allow us to ethically and humanely process these individuals to access their international and U.S. rights. When we as Americans are imprinted with uh, the grooming of patriotism, uh, of jingoism, of love for country, and they give us the facts about why we should love this country in school. Um, one of the cornerstones of that education is what it's written in the Emma Lazarus poem on the Statue of Liberty. But despite what it says there, we're we're not really we don't really accept refugees. I mean, the U.N. reported last year, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that there are over 100 million refugees worldwide right now. Vox did a whole piece about how the number of refugees the U.S. actually accepts 
has been on a very deep decline since 1980. In 1980, we let in 207,000 refugees into this country. Gina, last year, what was it? 25,000? That's right. And um, and there were big hopes that, that we would actually increase that to 100, which was what the Obama administration um, had set up as a standard. I would say the challenge here is, is immigration reform, um, looking at caps for how many refugees we allow into the country, that is something that has to be set by Congress. That is a legislative solution. And so what we're seeing is because the congressional side of the House is not doing their job, the executive branch is trying to compensate and make up for it. But what they're doing is they're basically saying, we know we can't handle this capacity, so we're going to deter people and make it actually really hard for people to get in and discourage them from even trying. And that is not the solution that we're looking for. So I think what we should be doing is saying, how do we rebuild the big ideas that this country was founded on and this country can absolutely achieve? And how are we focusing on that rather than saying we are an under-resourced system that can't manage when we know there are hundreds of welcoming cities. I mean, nonprofits and community-based organizations have been really leading the charge in response. If you're even looking at cities like El Paso, they are the ones that are housing people. They are the ones that are providing food. It's not necessarily the cities that are doing this. And so I think there's a Mm -hmm. real opportunity to say we are a welcoming country. We have welcoming cities. Our communities are overwhelmingly supportive of refuge and safety um, to be accessible in this country. And if we know that the legislative part of the House is not doing their job, then if the executive part, branch wants to try to do it, they need to do a much better job. Well, let, let me talk. Let me ask you about that, because we just found out. Kevin McCarthy has given Congressman Dan Crenshaw permission to lead a new task force focused on battling Mexican drug cartels. That's the big announcement from Congress about how they're taking things seriously. A big banner announcement about Mexican drug cartels, which tells me when they release that today, they have no interest whatsoever in the souls at our border. They have no interest whatsoever in finding a political solution. They have every interest in exploiting this suffering to try to smear and blame a political party they oppose without doing anything to solve it. We should expect more of the same, right? We should expect more of the same. And I think at the end of the day, what we need to do is shift the narrative back to the fact that these are people and that people don't make the light decision to uproot their families um, based on policy changes in another country. Um, They do it because they feel like they have no choice and they're looking to seek safety for their families and children. We should That's also it. remember that many uh, many of these individuals seeking refuge in the United States on the southern border are women and children and families. Um, there are a high percentage of them. And so we can't forget that. Um, and I think we need to reorient people to the fact that, you know, um, there is no cheating the system if you're seeking asylum in the United States, one, because it's an international right, But two, because if you look at the active asylum cases in 2021, 63% of them were approved. So we know that the vast majority of those seeking asylum and registering with USCIS to do so 
are getting approved for their asylum cases. And we know that number increases when people have access to legal counsel because legalese is not a natural language for any of us. And so if that's the case, this is not a system that's being cheated. These are people and individuals. And the other thing about Upwardly Global is that, you know, last year, 60% of the people that we served, the 6,000 of the people we served were um, refugees, asylum seekers. And that is people with a college degree or higher. Yes. So amazing. This amazing. is a mixed flow population. And, and when we think about Venezuelans, when we think about Cubans, when we think about even Afghans and Ukrainians that are also coming across the southern border, by the way, many of these are individuals are from middle income countries. And so you do have a mix of people who also have skills. And so we have to reimagine who we think of as refugees exactly. and we have or asylum seekers. And we also have to reimagine that these are individuals who are fleeing because they want to start a home in a safe place and they're willing to contribute. And I know we talk about that a lot. But we also have to take into account that these are already adults who are educated. So we as Americans don't have to pay for their education or schooling. They can enter our workforce right away, start paying taxes and start paying into our Social Security system. There's so many economic advantages. And this is how a country and its economy expands. Now, I, I, I had the great honor a few years back of doing stand up for the U.S. troops stationed in Honduras. Um, a lot of folks didn't know we have troops in Honduras, but we do. Because of the drug war, I was performing on an Air Force base that was being eaten by termites because all of the buildings had been built with wood during the Reagan administration and they hadn't planned on them lasting for 40 years. Um, I saw firsthand that the reason why we have so many refugees from Honduras is they are fleeing violence from our drug war that is still going on. We just heard from Health and Human Services an announcement that an unaccompanied Honduran migrant teenager who was under the care of the Office of Refugee Resettlement, just died on Wednesday at a shelter in Safety Harbor, Florida. They're investigating, but we should expect to see more stories like this. We should expect to see more chaos like we're witnessing right now. So let me ask you the really tough question. What do you see happening over the course of this summer as Title 42 ex expires? And as the people who don't want to do anything to solve the problem are willing to exploit it for cheap political points, what do you see the next few months looking like? I um, so first, I will say there are many people that are standing in line at the border because they want to be able to come in legally. I think these individuals will continue to camp out and be standing in line for weeks and weeks and weeks for that opportunity. I think people will continue to come to the border because of sheer confusion and chaos around who is eligible to come in and who is not eligible to come in, because frankly, there are a lot of exceptions. And I think smugglers will take advantage of this situation. Mm -hmm. And so you will have illegal border crossings, but it's for people who will then apply. And we're seeing that already. People have crossed over illegally, and then they're all trying to get on the CBP app in order to get a again. slot for an asylum uh, meeting. So we're still seeing that even if people are crossing illegally, they are still trying to do the right thing, and they're trying to apply for asylum. And so I think, um, and I think, communities will be stepping up. And I think cities um, that are brave will also contribute. But I think, you know, we saw a lot of busing happening um, from, you know, migrants or individuals that were newcomers coming into the country across the border that were being sh shipped to California and New York and, and DC and elsewhere. I think we will likely see that again. But I think the reality is, 
is it's going to be very hard for people to come through the border legally. Yeah. And so you're going to see a lot of frustration and um, desperation on the other side of the border. Something we've already seen under Title 42, and it's just not going to get better. So in effect, Title 42 expired. The problem hasn't been solved. It's just been renamed as an asylum ban. And so we're, we're going to just see more of the same. Yeah. Before I let you go, I, I, I have to ask you about how your work with Upwardly Global is going with Afghan refugees. You have done such a great job of helping so many people who have been evacuated from Afghanistan get jobs in the U.S. Uh, and I also know from your Twitter that 18,000 of the Afghans who've come here since 2021 are women. As you point out, many of them have advanced degrees or previous careers as women leaders or human rights defenders, um, we don't hear a lot of coverage anymore in mainstream corporate news about how things are going for the Afghan refugees. How has your work been uh, with relocating people and, and how is how is the process going? Yeah, so pe- people are now settled um, in their cities that they've been you know, shipped off to from the military bases. Most people have found their immediate um, survival job, that job that will put food on the table because they get so little upfront assistance. Um, and now people are starting to look for how do I improve my life? How do I get back into my um, my field? And so, you know, we've been able to work with about six, uh, sorry, 4,500 Afghans to date, which is very exciting, but we know there's a lot more need. Um, And we also know that if we actually invested in the workforce inclusion of Afghans, just Afghans, they could be contributing $646 million a year in consumer spending to the economy. And and so I think that's a pretty, pretty compelling story. I think what we're worried about is two things, which is one, um, you know, many Afghans, um, their humanitarian parole expires in August. There has been an administrative change to extend that. But the reality is, is that's just pushing the can down the road because then they have to either seek asylum and uh, spoiler alert, if this many people are seeking asylum in the country and the system is already backlogged and it already takes on average five years to get your asylum claim um, finalized, that means that there are fewer people that are going to be available to support Ukrainians and Afghans and other individuals on humanitarian parole or temporary protected yeah. status who are also looking to seek asylum. So. We are just expanding exponentially this crisis in our asylum system that we have. Um, and it's not going to just affect the people on the southern border. It's going to affect everybody and anybody, including That's Afghans, right. which puts more urgency on the fact that we need the Afghan Adjustment Act to be passed, which would fast track people's abilities to get residency um, and a green card. and. That's a challenge again, because that would require Congress to act. There you go. Um, and so the trend of what the executive office can do and what the House and the Senate can do continues to be a challenge. Um, <laughs> but we know that if we did this right, um, Afghans would be contributing an incredible amount. And the 4,500 that we've worked with already are. Um, and we're really excited about all the employers that are stepping up. And what does it say that we have Republicans who are terrified to help refugees because that might cost them the Christian vote? Gina Krause-Vilmar is president and CEO of Upwardly Global. It is an honor to have you back on our show. I so admire the work you do. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work and Upwardly Global's mission as well? 
So just go to upwardlyglobal.org and you will find access to our Twitter feed on all social media to follow us. Such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us again. Please come back soon. And thank you for your work. You inspire me deeply. Thank you so much, John. Have a great evening. We got to go. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Thea. I'm John Fugelson. Keep it tuned to SiriusXM Progress. Peace. Peace.